Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Do things that add value, even if it's not in your job description or job title or whatnot. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hi, this is Joe Peterson. I'm the Vice President of Cloud and Security with Clarify 360. I've been listening to the Women in Tech podcast for about a year, and I was drawn in by the energy and enthusiasm of the Women in Tech podcast. Esprit does a really great job in sharing stories of women in tech so that young female listeners can put themselves in the shoes of these women speaking. See, I strongly believe that if we don't show young women the way forward in tech by sharing our stories, then they won't know what's possible. The stories are what creates the value and inspiration. Great job, guys. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences so we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Rest is a complicated thing in our world, isn't it? I know I've been resting the last few days and feeling guilty. My mom keeps telling me I need more rest. I feel like I'm playing hooky and I don't deserve rest. (laughs) It's crazy being a driven person. It just feels like rest is illegal. And my mom always said growing up that the most important computer we have is the one attached to our necks, you know, our head and our brain. And that at least I don't always allow space to just let my brain recalibrate, like kind of, you know, when you work out really hard and then you have to like chill to let your muscles recover. Why don't driven people just as a culture allow that space for our brains to just chill and allow ourselves to recover? Anyway, that is what is on my mind today. Enjoy the next episode. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Becky, coming at us from the Bay Area in San Francisco. Hello, Becky. Hi, Asprey. So exciting to talking to you today. I know. I'm stoked to have you here. To kick things off, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. 
Yes. So uh, my name is Becky Flint. Today, I am the founder and CEO of Dragonbow.io. So for those of you who are not familiar with Dragonbow, it is a purpose-built platform for outcome-driven product organizations. And Dragonbow is actually coming out me as 20 years in the making. So we can go deeper what? into it later. Yes. 20 years in the making. Let's let, wait. No, let's stop. Right. Let's jump into that now. How is it 20 years in the making? Tell us. So it's very interesting. I never thought about start a company to build something like Dragon Bow. What happened was I was just very lucky enough to fall into a company, amazing company, long time ago called PayPal. And when I joined PayPal, it was a fairly small, most of the product manager, almost all product managers can fit it into one conference room. You can imagine how small we what? were. That's crazy. Yes. And I was, was brought in to help lead a global expansion. As you can imagine, expand PayPal to other countries. It takes a lot of work, a lot of you know, challenges, and really the rise of something today we call a product operations. Long story short, as PayPal was growing very rapidly, we gone through a lot of growing pains, a lot of challenges had to build lots of internal tools, especially, and they couldn't make it work. And then finally, I led a process called product portfolio management at PayPal. And that really essentially led to the tooling and this is sort of the, the predecessor of Dragon Ball at PayPal. Later on, I went to a few amazing companies and I joined them. They were pre-unicorns or small unicorns like Shutterfly and BigCommerce and Fizai. And then eventually they all went into the, through the journey and they become a unicorns and public company. As a part of the process, um, you know, sort of the, the need for Dragon Ball was all over the place. And, and uh, you know, I, had, I looked at all the tools and, and find all the things that I could find and, and patch all the things together. And that's no boat. There was just the pieces. So right. ultimately, when, when people started, I realized, oh, I wasn't like working. I was, I was kind of like I became a consultant, recruiting from company to company along with my uh, my uh, sort of tool, which is a suite of spreadsheets. So finally, I thought, hey, you know, if if I had to scale something like that, maybe that is the tool, it's the product I have to build. So yeah, 20 years later, here you go. Here's a dragon boat. That's crazy. And while you've been building, what would you say is the biggest obstacle you've successfully overcome in building your company? And, you know, I think companies are facing probably two, three key factors. One is, do we have a problem? If there wasn't a problem, obviously, there would never be a company. So I think the problems were really well understood. And then the second part of that is, do we have a product to solve it? And then the third part is, how can we iterate and improve on it? And from I would say the third part uh, is sort of the lucky part of, of my uh, the journey of the company is to be able to start to test out and try out a product fairly early. And many of them through the people I met in my career and through the my network of, of people I worked with so that it's not something where you kind of just build out of your brain, regardless of how right. great intuition is, you still have to hit the road, get people use it. So it was really, uh, I think that was quite interesting and it was really helpful uh, to be able to get the product to some of the early customers uh, along the way. And one of the things that is really important to you that you shared with me before the interview is building a strong team. Tell me a little bit about your perspective on strong team building. It's a little bit complicated. So let me go take one step back. Meaning 
that when we think about team, quite often we think about the people we work together, right? So a lot of times say, hey, I'm a marketing, in marketing, I have a marketing team. I'm working with my team together. If you're in, you know, you have, you know, product, you're working with engineering team, you have a scrum team, you work with them together. So that is obviously really, really important to have a strong team in that sense. You work with them day in and day out. There's something very interesting that I recognize that in some ways the Dragon Ball's principle and also supporting that is to have a team that's not yours. And the ability to work and the, the not just the ability, the one is to recognize that you need more than just your team to be successful is super important. So uh, this, you know, in the earlier days, working at PayPal and then later on in other companies that worked at, as well as, you know, eventually getting to Dragon Ball, we recognize this, I have a small team when I get started, but I need more talent and skills and, you know, resources from other areas. How do I build an extended team and extended network? So how do I find advisors? How do I find partners? How do I find some of the consultants and you know, and contractors—they are all my extended team, and I get to uh, partner with them and leverage a small part of their their time. And, but its expertise are super important because I could not quote unquote own all these resources in the get go. Right. right. So I think building a strong team, both your core team and your extended team, that can uh, help you to fill in the gaps of the need in the business. Uh, and and also obviously companies' growth are super important. And when did you first become interested in technology? I mean, working with a Goliath like PayPal, <laughs> like the, the which became your future. When did that journey start? Were you a little girl, or at what point did it start for you? Yeah, it's interesting. I I, I didn't really fully utilize my uh, my education, so to speak. I literally fell into technology. Uh, I actually came to US when I was fully grown from China, and I came here for business. So I went to business school in San Francisco, and that was 1997. So for some of you, if you're older, you remember that was the time of Web 1.0, right? So I was in business school and I took a finance major concentration. So I thought, hey, if you business, the finance make a lot of sense, right? Business and finance. And next thing you know, the dot-com was happening. There's a lot of startups. All my you know, students and everyone's just working at different tech companies. And then one of my classmates, he started his own company doing web development and building websites for companies all over the place. There was just such a big demand. And I thought, hey, I better go find some real-world real experience. And next thing you know, it was so exciting. I was working with the customers, the design product, learned to code. And I all of a sudden, I became a tech person. I was like, forget about MBA, forget <laughs> about finance. This is so much more fun. And, and that's how, how I started to get into tech and then even started uh, uh, another, like a little startup company trying to do a B2B exchange for, for, uh, uh, for a computer manufacturing product. And then it was all fun, exciting. And guess what? Next thing you know, .com bursted. So then I have to go back, quote unquote, the real world. So then I started to work, you know, this is the time where my MBA in finance has started to rescue right. me because I actually have an MBA in finance. I was able to find the roles in uh, some of the, the, the financial companies, was in Wells Fargo for a while and, and was in you know, Schwab for a while. And next, you know, I, I heard of the PayPal. I was like, oh, cool. This is a tech. <laughs> and it's also finance. Oh, that's oh. just like so lucky. I, it's just a luck, right? It's just a luck. Wow. 
That's so lucky. Wait, keep going. I'm just like blown away that because you had that combination of background, PayPal made sense. But at the time, it was just yet another Yeah, name. right. It was just a name on a list. It wasn't PayPal at the time. No, no it was it was a small company. It wasn't really that big name. So that I left, you know, really nice job at IT at uh, not well back then called IT at the Wells Fargo to, to go to PayPal. And and in some ways also very lucky because I live in the South Bay and Wells Fargo in San Francisco and PayPal's in South Bay. I said, hey. It's a, it's a tech company. It does a it does a fintech finance. There's no fintech back in the days, right? Something related to finance, right. and then it's a tech. And I love tech. I really, I mean, you know, once I went to tech, and I realized, you know, finance is great, but it's just too stable and not a lot of changes. And and tech's much more fun. So yeah, that's what happened. I went to PayPal. It was a pure luck. Uh, I was very very lucky. And 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 PayPal team was like. Well, you don't really have a lot of experience, and maybe you're just coming as a junior project manager. I was like, I just like this company. I didn't care about my job title. I could be take a higher level role, but I like the company. I think it was really cool. So I joined the company. It was just a good time. Like you know, a lot of times you would say, hey, if you find a cool company that you may could I could take a step down, I yeah. think you should do it. You should do it, right? Because life is an adventure and we should always just be partaking in the adventure and not so caught up in metrics like finance or vanity or whatever it may be and make sure we're truly enjoying the process of life. Right, exactly. If I had a job joined PayPal 10 years later, I would never had an opportunity to build a whole portfolio management process across the whole company. Like that just not happened to someone at the level like not VP, right? It, it required much level of influence across organization. And that, uh, that was also another interesting story because speaking of raise your hand and solving problems. Yeah. Right. I was leading international expansion, which is taking PayPal from country to country. It's amazing. Think about it. Launch PayPal Australia, launch PayPal, you know, Portugal. Like I can't even imagine like five. You said five product designers in a room when you started. Is that was that right? So it fit all the product managers in one room. So about product managers. Yeah. I mean, that's just nuts. Like how how big was the staff count when you started versus what is it around today? Ah, oh, I can't remember how big it is today. But when we started, um, I think it, maybe a couple hundred engineers. It's just like and a much bigger so staff cool. count. They have a yeah. lot of you know, obviously business and marketing yeah. and customer support. But you think about the core product development, product managers and engineers. It were really small. I remember back in the days when we we said, "Oh, this is a big feature. It would take like a six like person month." Right, so right. Six, it's like tiny like you can't even do like move a button these days right yeah. and, and back in the days it was considered really big so it was really small and then we were launching multiple countries in yeah, a year it's crazy it's yeah. crazy such a cool life experience one thing that I'm really glad that you brought up was your MBA because one of the questions I wanted to ask in this really interesting career journey you've had is how much has going to school, not just MBA, but your university and the MBA helped accelerate you as a tech professional? I think it has a tremendous impact, at least for me, uh, in terms of uh, in the tech industry, because I didn't came from 
Well, I came to US for school. So that's like, if I wouldn't come here for an MBA, I wouldn't even be here. I would be mm. in, you know, in different countries. So that itself definitely is pivotal in terms of my journey. And the second part is when I went from MBA to tech, it gave me a different perspective than the people purely in tech, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm more than just writing the code. I didn't know how to write code, but I can translate the concept, the business, the how user could use it, how that makes sense to the user and translate it into the code. And then I learned code. It's a much, I mean, it's not easier. I'm not saying I'm a, a hardcore coder and engineers. I can do enough things to make it work, especially using the tooling. And then when I go back to sort of the, the business and product, and I can also have the empathy and understanding what it takes to build product and engineering and testing. So I can like very naturally connect these two things together. So I think having a sense of business concept, the PLs, the positioning, the messaging, all that stuff are tremendously helpful, especially today. Everyone needs a customer empathy. Everyone needs to understand oh regardless of who you are, right? Most annoying thing to me about the pandemic, how was it every every single company was like, oh, now we have to care about our company, our customers. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, as though this is a new novel idea, you should have been doing this before any pandemic. Why is this now the marketing angle to care about your customers? It's yes, customer yeah. empathy to the max. I think, yeah, in some ways, that's really the... Uh, more of the level of a competition and you know in some ways the pandemic really accelerate a lot of things into the digital yeah which also means the digital make information a lot more available and accessible to everyone that means the competition is much much stronger in every aspect yeah. i think about it that you know in the past you just think about hiring right i'm in the bay area i'm working with all the silicon valley companies and stuff there used to be a locational advantage in the Bay Area in terms of starting a company, having your network, having people. Today, that is like dissipating very, very quickly, right? You can have connections anywhere. You can talk to anyone on the Zoom, like we're talking right now. And it's like, it's just not possible. So the access to people, access to network, access to capital, access to everything, Mm -hmm. it's just so like make it readily available to everyone. So other things would have to stand in to differentiate and stand out. Let's circle back to Dragon Boat and then I want to get more into like the the lifestyle of your company and of your profession. But Dragon Boat specifically for everyone listening, like who are the customers for Dragon Boat? Like who should be like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad we know that Dragon Boat exists. <laughs> so Dragon Boat is a is a platform for a product organization. When I say product organization, it's not just for product managers. We, you know, sometimes we, we try to think about like there's a unique functions of product and marketing and engineering and so on, but it's not true, right? Just like sales is not just one person go sell something. There's always a teamwork. So Dragon Boat is the core for supporting a product team, but product team works with the engineering, product team working with the design, working with the marketing, with the sales and all that. Product team also work with each other. So in the past, when people tend to think about product teams, like I'm product manager working with engineering, I do lean startup, whatever, then I can iterate and then just magically things happen. The reality is that today, as soon as you hit product market fit, as soon as you yeah. start to have customers, you realize you have to work with a lot of people. So Dragon was a platform where the product team would uh, be the driver or the hub, but that they also have everyone else interact 
with the product team. The feedback requests coming in to product team, so you have some understanding of what customer want, tied to business goals and, and outcome and metrics you have tied. So that will help the product team together with the input of a customer, create your product uh, uh, ideas, roadmaps, and, and, and so on. And product teams also have work, work with each other so that we don't have our, our islands, right? And right. because a product is actually built across multiple teams, and finally, it can be delivered through the engineering. So and once we put it onto the market, go to market team has to know what we're building, what we're shipping, what things are. So that that is the core of a. You can almost think about it. It's a boat where the product organization, product team runs on, where everyone also be part of it as well. What's the impact? Uh, like, what's the solution? You know, every company is created in order to create the solution. So now we have product managers signing up for Dragon Boat, and then what is the solution in their life? So there are a few things that we have in. One is the product managers need to make the right decisions. Um, and that's it takes a lot of effort, not only in prioritize things and also being able to communicate and plan and track. So Dragon Ball, number one thing is to make a lot of busy work go away. So we automate a lot of activities need to happen for product managers. And uh, second part of that is having uh, all this busy work go away. It's not just say, saving your time. It's enabling faster and a more accurate information to everyone else involved in building product, meaning customer success will know what's going on and marketing team will know what's going on, what we plan, our roadmap, being able to provide feedback into the system so that we can actually, they can do their job better. They can make decisions on their side better. So many times companies so chaotic where things to the market that support team doesn't know, a marketing team putting things out too early are not speaking the right language, it does not create a really good experience for customer. Or sometimes, quite often, teams are not uh, collaborated very well. So they uh, one team's done all the work, but the other teams are blocking them because of a dependency and so on. So having Dragon Boat is to enable the collaboration of product team with each other, with the cross-functional teams, and with our stakeholders in a way so that we can best deliver the product. And you're talking about a customer empathy, not just a customer empathy, also the stakeholder internal teams uh, empathy as well. So they can deliver the product that drives value and does, does not increase a lot of overhead on everyone. There's so many people listening right now who have thought about taking the leap like you have working for a company and then creating your own company and being a founder. What drives you to continue to be a founder rather than work for someone else's company? Or what are the pros and cons? Because I get that question a lot. Like, whatever you share next will help listeners make that decision for themselves. Right. I, th I think it's very funny that if you're sitting there saying, hey, I want to start a company. And I think that's just not the right time because you didn't have a burning problem you have to solve. So I started a company two times in my career. In both cases, there were burning questions. That's using this one as an example. I wasn't going to start Dragon Boat. I, was, I, I had a lot of fun helping company to grow and to scale. I, you know, obviously, there are challenges here and there. Definitely, there are always in any role things that could be better. But I just had a lot of fun. I really enjoy see company grow and, and help the product team being able to create product, being able to drive value, uh, and sometimes being able to turn around the companies who are struggling with the scaling. And then I decided to start Dragon Boat because 
One, I realized I'm solving the same problem from company to company. That gotta be a better way. It's not scaling. It's like this is this is like when I say it's 20 years in the making, it's like I saw the problem, I solved the problem in the you know, my my whole career, right? Yeah, yeah. And there had to be a better way. I cannot be just me. So that's like one, it's like a personal pain points was just seeing that. And two is there's no other options. If I can find other solutions that can solve the problem, even if I'm passionate about a problem, if there are solutions, there's nothing stood out that I can create a different way to solve it. So I would say, I always looking back in my career saying, hey, you know, if, if I never choose to work for a company and didn't happen to fall into amazing company like PayPal and its time was taking off, I wouldn't be what it is today. Mm-hmm. So if I you know, had I chosen to start a company at that time, my career would be different, mm-hmm. right? But but then it was just like, if you learn a lot, you have, you learn a lot, you have great people, you have a great experience, you have a great opportunity and, you know, do that. You don't have to say, I need to start a company and that, therefore I start a company. But if you say, I have this problem, I've been trying the solutions so much and I couldn't solve it. And you're just just so painful and bugging you. I think it's time to start a company. And, and granted, I would say everyone can say that, right? So like everyone say, okay, start a company is not easy. It is hard and stuff. It is so true because for all the times I spend, maybe like a five or ten percent of the time I spend is to truly do the things that I wanted to do. Versus in a company, when you work in a company, you know, if you're in a good role, you spend 60, 70, or even up to 80% of the time on things you want to do and you're good at, you enjoy doing. Starting your company, your own company as a founder, you have <laughs> that everything opposite, right? You do yeah. all these other things. It's yeah. not productive, but yeah. you have to do it. it. You know, so that's that's what I what I want to say. And and it's definitely very, very, very hard. I think I'm very lucky to have a lot of support along the way, but it's it's a very, very hard for sure. And in the early days, how did you sustain it? Did you raise money? Was it self-funded? Was it profitable right away? What was your journey in igniting it and then fostering a team and making sure you're not losing your mind? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it is a combination of all of them. So I self-funded partially from my own savings. And I was also very lucky to, when I left my last role, um, I was working with the, the co-founders and CEO, CTO, and then they saw what uh, what a proper product portfolio management can change the company. So they invested in, in, in me and our company early on. So I'm very, very grateful of them taking the risk in such early day, we didn't even have a product. And then also we, I took, I did a lot of consulting. So, you know, obviously I know what I do in the function I'm doing, solving the problem, building that. So there's a service part of that also helps with the cash flow. And I didn't pay myself for two years. That also helped. Uh, and I used a combination of a, of a contractor's consultant. And, and then we started as a remote native. We never had office. And I had teams globally in the beginning. Yeah. So that helps us with uh, with the cost, with uh, with a lot of uh, you know access to talent. And you know today, like everyone can start a company. Kobe already made it into sort of the de facto. But back in the days, it was a competitive advantage, right? So knowing how to find 
people to work with and knowing how to work with the people remotely definitely helped. Uh, I mean, cut our costs by at least a half. 100%. My first business partner is one of the co-founders of Box, um, the file sharing company. And when we were building, there was no WordPress. There was no easy way to code. Like, I was very lucky that he knew it all. And then he would tell me, I remember it was so cool. He would tell me like what coding languages I should be on the lookout for. So I would go to meetup groups with all these developers and I'm not a developer and they were like what are you doing here I'm like I have to know I have to know how all these things work and the benefits and it was uh, I was just super curious I'm glad you brought up your savings and also your past work helped fuel your company the reason I say that is when I raised money for my company my investors said one of the reasons they trusted funding me is because I invested in myself and that showed them how committed I was. And then a a second note is I just met with a company in the past week. They were profitable within, I think, two or three months. I'm like, wow, that's so unusual. How'd you do that? He's like, the company that I was working for became my first customer. There's not like one way to build a company and every single part of your journey and choice that you make could be something extremely beneficial that you would have never thought of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so cool. You really care about women succeeding and championing women. And you have some amazing advice to give women as they build and build their careers in tech and possibly become founders or grow their companies they have now. What would some of that guidance be? Well, first of all, don't think of yourself as a woman first. You think of yourself as a human being that you can do the things you can do. Put your gender on the side. Uh, I think that would really help a lot. Uh, I mean, yes, as a society, we need to help and then we need to provide more opportunities. Uh, But my mom is a mechanical engineer. And when she went to school, she was one of the 300 people in her class, the only woman. She never thought herself as like, you know, woman versus men. She's just like, hey, I'm here. I'm a student of engineering and I'm, you know, going to be an engineer. There's no question about my gender. So I think it was super, super helpful for me to think about me as an individual and I can do amazing things and I can put in my effort. So I think the first thing is to, you know, I think it, it's important to help each other out, but I really just want to think about us as individual can contribute value and, and not think too much about that when you're in a room with, with, with a lots of guys, which, you know, as you can imagine in our career in tech is uh, quite often where the, where the probably the only or very few yeah. of the women in the room. I got into tech through my dad and he would take me to business conferences and all this stuff. I never noticed I was the only female. I just was a person interested in tech around a lot of other people interested in tech. And I do think the more we self-classify, we may end up putting limitations on ourselves that we don't need to put there. Right. Yeah. And the second part I always say is thinking about either both life and a career is a journey. There's no direct line from A to B that you have to take what is coming at you that seems like a good opportunity, learning and growing and take it. And, and a prime example was, you know, going from MBA in school and then go to tech startups because I think there was a lot of activity going on. A lot of things new. It looks like so exciting. It looks like the future. And the same thing for PayPal. When I went to PayPal, I took two steps down versus like in my career, people can say, oh, you're, you know, XYZ 
see MBA, why you go to, to take this low, lower level job. But I think that's a cool company. It looks like a tech and a, and a finance, both things that I like and I want to work there. So that would be like amazing. If I were to say, oh, I have this job title, I have this level, I have to negotiate that. It's like, you know, it's it like in the, in the grand scheme of things, it really didn't really matter. And imagine how much I learned from today. The third one, I think it's, um, it's kind of also related to it is that do things add value, even if it's not in your job description or job title or whatnot. You know, obviously, I use a lot of examples at PayPal, but I was just using the ones that I mentioned earlier about how I saw the challenges of us building product across the board. I saw we, we just get a gridlock because everyone has priorities. It's different. So I proposed this solution called a portfolio management to my uh, VPs and, and he said, oh, just, just do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's see how it goes. And, and it was like, it was amazing to make this change and then go to the other company. And even later on, go to other company has never thought, okay, my role is this, this is what I do. When I see there's, there's inefficiencies, there see things that could be done better. I will go to the person who will be owning that, quote unquote, owning that say, hey, it doesn't look like this. It can be done better this way. What do you think? When you have an, so there, this one tells you uh, three things, right? One is you have an eye, see, uh, see problems and try to solve problems. And two is you collaborate with the people who are the owners. You don't just go ahead and do it. That's not good, right? And the three is that bring people along with you. So along the way, when you make changes, make improvement, you bring people along with you. And, and you're talking about the coaching and mentorship. And, and I always looking at it in my career say, hey, I was very lucky when I was started in my career, just heads down, do work, and then try to do good work. I'm not saying it's not enough. It's essential. But you have to think about what does it mean on the longer term impact? Can I make a bigger impact? So when I had a mentor and when and I saw her, right, not only think about the things in her area, think about her area could expand to help broader audience and broader organization. And that's where she mentored me to give me the visibility uh, and, and the perspective on thinking that way. So I think that bring people along, it's super helpful because, you know, not the men or women, it didn't really matter, right? The key thing is when you bring people along, you bring the network, you have a different perspective and ultimately everyone wins, right? So the rising tide. I love that guidance. One thing that I was also thinking about this week as a leader is when I respond to something, am I having maybe emotional reaction isn't the right word, but like, am I reacting? Maybe am I reacting or am I responding with confidence from my boundaries? And I notice whenever I feel that someone is like doing something, like someone is doing something negative to me or something like that, I kind of stop and I'm like, okay, people could only can only take as much as you allow them to take. And I have power over who I say yes to, who I say no to, or, you know, how I negotiate. And so how can I show up in a more powerful way that isn't an attack on either person? Like no one's attacking me and I'm not attacking anyone else. I'm simply sharing my boundaries. The reason why I bring that up is I think the more I surround myself with empowering people and focus on being an empowering person, the more clarifying energy I have, not to sound so woo-woo, but the more <laughs> clarifying energy I have to really like embrace my boundaries from like a positive, uplifting, spirited place, not like this like dark scarcity-based place. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, I think so. I think so. So uh, I think it, that you know, we human have the rational part of it, and also has emotional part of it. And quite often, we're easily not easy. It's just naturally being uh, sort of a, having a most the first response typically to be a, a you know emotional response, and a rational part of self to come in to say, hey, you know how we want to handle this in a way that's common core. Cool. Uh, it is the right thing to do, but then also over time takes a lot of energy, right? Because yeah. you have to do it twice. So by choosing and consciously surrounding the people and others on the way that they are think, think and and and. Uh, and act in a way sort of like um, more calm and more, I want to use the word outcome, but it's really positive outcome focus yeah. versus like, you know, complaining, blaming negative energy. Yes, then also you, you don't have to do things twice. Mm-hmm. You just do it once and naturally say, Hey, we have a problem. How do we solve it? It's much better to say, uh, why is this happening? Like that's like a same, that. same problem different attitude but if that. you always hand up with yes. the people say like a blaming or whatnot you just very draining that that you said it so much better than i did that oh my gosh how can people connect with you i'm on linkedin becky flint and also um yeah linkedin is the best way perfect and we'll include it in the show notes too and that's b-e-c-k-y-f-l-i-n-t and Last few questions, quick fire questions. Okay. What is your favorite book? Making you choose. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, I, I'm a product person. So recently I did a uh, write up of Empower, which is uh, Marty Keegan wrote something about product management, how empower product leaders. Uh, I cannot say that's my all time favorite book, but it's definitely my most recent read that I really think it is very, very helpful. There, there's a lot, there's so much book out there. It's harder. It's unfair. <laughs> say yeah, I, sh- I should have never asked your favorite all time book. I should say like a recent book. That's recent book. Yeah. So that's, think, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. Yeah. Re- recent book, I would say Empower by Marty Kagan. And this is a selfish question because I'm such a nerd. Your favorite mobile app or software website, your go to. It's Dragon Boat IO. Come on. <laughs> aside from Dragon Boat, that's a good answer. But aside from Dragon Boat, uh, the website. Um, well, you know, calendar. Oh yeah, uh, which calendar do you use? I, I actually just use a good old Google Calendar because our yes. team all using that. Um, calendar is a, such an interesting thing. It's not something screaming for your attention. All the other apps want your eyeballs on it all the time. And unfortunately, they're, you know, not to say some of them, but it really, it, you know, collective intelligence of a humankind it could be better not having some of these apps. Uh, calendar is the ones that's there when you need it. Then it reminds you something needs to happen. But for the most part, just run it in the background. And I think that I really like, I mean, I could not, I mean, we all know we could not live without 100%. our calendar, right? <laughs> but then also just think of one step further on, they're, they're one of these things that does not require you to spend time always on it, but it's just so useful. So I sometimes I think, hey, Dragon Ball is kind of like that. It's like something running in the background, but it enables you, but doesn't require you like your eyeballs on all the time. It's such a good point. You know, we have so many listeners. If there's one thing that we could do to support and accelerate your success, what would that ask be? And it can't be save the world because so many of my guests always say something that's to serve other people. So it has to be to serve yourself. Well, if I was to serve myself, it would be something say, hey, if you want to grow your career and truly make an impact to other people's life, 
uh, you should check out Dragon Ball because we exist not as a tool to try to take everyone's time and energy away. We exist to help to give time and energy of others. They can focus on things and they can work better. So we have lots of opportunities to grow and we're building tools to make people's life more efficient and more fulfilling. So interesting, join us. That's something I will say. We are, uh, you know, obviously I'm a woman founder. My CMO is a woman and we have a super diverse team in all like six ethnicities and in, you know, all over the world. So uh, I think it's a great team to join and we're really just get started. I really truly believe we're, we're trying to solve a problem, which is a drive, uh, we'll, we'll enable the collaboration and visibility transparency across the company. And we are like amazing team. And the one thing I would really say is that, you know, anyone who feel that they have a desire to make an impact, they feel they want to be able to grow their career, I really welcome and encourage and, and I would have a privilege to be able to work with some of them, designers, product managers, engineers, marketers, customer success, sales, any one of them. Product managers in my career, earlier days in career, and more than half the product managers are women. And more and more over time, there are fewer and fewer product managers are women. And all the tools, all the collaboration tools, it's so funny, all the collaboration tools are built by men. I'm not saying like anything else. It's just very strange that women by default are very collaborative. And then we are in so many roles that are collaborative and then we're not building a tool for by women. So I, I just really feel like we have an opportunity here to really take how we work together and then build a tool to enable us. So Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast to connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world. Remember, go to the Women in Tech group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hi, everyone. Becky Flint here from founder CEO of Dragon Boat, a purpose-built, outcome-focused product portfolio tool for outcome-focused product leaders and product organizations. I am from the San Francisco Bay Area, and you are listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.